Hey everybody, you're listening to Right at the Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Knight. If you had a magic wand, what would you change about your future? This is the question Amy Downs posed to our team of 400 at our Banks Employee Celebration this year. As a survivor of the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, she has a unique perspective on life and a powerful story of transformation. She was working as a teller for a credit union when it happened, buried alive for over six hours. But she's now the CEO of that very financial institution. Be encouraged as she shares her wake-up call to live life with intention and full to the brim with hope. You're listening to Right at the Heart, a podcast focused on sharing inspirational stories from our communities presented by Farmers Bank and Trust. Along the way, you'll learn about managing finances, news about community events, interviews with local leaders, and more. So get ready to be inspired as we get right at the heart of Farmers Bank and Trust. We were thrilled to have you at our fourth annual heart celebration. Your message of survival and hope is so powerful. No, first of all, I just got to tell you that celebration that you all put (laughs) on was legit. Like I was so impressed with like everything from the decorations to your turnout, like I just wanted to go to work for you all. It was amazing. Uh, Thank (laughs) you. We had so much fun. It It was was great. We were so excited to have you. So thank you. I would love for you to tell a little bit about who you were before the bombing occurred. You know, you started your Mm -hmm. career as a bank teller. So think of the worst possible teller that you all have ever had. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) I'm not even being humble. I am not like, literally, I was terrible, absolutely terrible. But I had a good personality. I just kind of got a store. I always say our tellers are so underappreciated. Like, they are so amazing. They juggle so many things. And they're the front facing people, you know, to our customers. Um, They're amazing. But I was not very good at it. It was so fascinating to me to hear your thoughts that were racing through your mind whenever you were buried alive. At that point in my life, um, graduating high school, flunking out of college, um, boyfriend breaking up with me, like I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I'd gained about 200 pounds and was really just in a, in a dark place in my, in my life at the time of the bombing. And when the bombing happened and I found myself thinking, you know, that I was getting ready to die, I had just so much regret because I realized it was like holding a mirror up to your face. It's like, I didn't quite know how much I was being complacent. I mean, I knew I was in a tough spot in my life, but I really didn't know to the extent until I thought I was getting ready to die. And it was in those moments where I realized this is it. Like my life is over when all of a sudden it was just really clear to me that what was most important you know, was relationships and living life with intention and serving other people. And like, it just like all of a sudden in a moment, it was really clear. Of course, that really shaped my future life. 
faced with death and thinking I was going to die is what made me want to live my life different when I actually did get free and I did have a second chance at life. And I haven't forgotten that. It, it, it just, um, it's like, I feel like I'm living on borrowed time. And I just cannot fathom, obviously, experiencing something like that. I'm sure you couldn't either at that period in your life, Mm-mm. but you have used this traumatic life experience to propel you into living your life fully. What keeps you going every day? Do you wake up every morning and then, you know, that moment of your mm-hmm. life, do you think about that every day? And does no. it keep you going? I really don't. No, I really don't. And so I think, you know, I recently was thinking about this and I, I was like, you know, it's a habit now. So a habit can be learned. You don't have to have a near-death experience because honestly, I just learned a habit. Now the habit started because of a near-death experience, but you don't have to have that to develop a habit of really thinking about your life and, and really looking at your day ahead and saying, what am I doing today to move myself forward in the direction of my dreams? Um, and, and they're they're often tiny, teeny, tiny little things. So I don't want to be like, oh, I'm doing a major thing today to, you know, it might be something as small as I'm going to listen to 15 minutes of a positive podcast. Hello. You know, it might be something like that. Or I'm going to read a chapter out of this book or, you know, sometimes it's super, super small or I'm going to Google a topic and I'm going to learn about something I'm thinking maybe I'm wanting to do. Um, very small, but over time, those small steps consistently done over time, that is what really leads to major transformation. That's something I have really been thinking about in my life in being a, a, I have a toddler at home and super busy. My husband's a head baseball coach, but I kind of found found myself in that rut postpartum. And you're right. All it takes is a mindset shift Mm -hmm. into making those choices Every day, I, I really appreciate that you've shared. You really don't have to have a near-death yeah. experience to yeah. make that decision. That's such yeah. a great point. And that's, you know, so I remember when my son was um, born, you know, I'm working, I've got a child, like, where do you, how do you have time for yourself? Like, you just yeah. don't, right? And so that's when I developed the habit of waking up at like an ungodly hour of the day, because it was the only time that I wasn't being pulled in a hundred different directions. Mm-hmm. So for me, it started out literally just trying to back into my day 15 minutes earlier, like to allow myself to have 15 minutes to like actually think about my day and actually have a long time for 15 minutes without little fingers crawling under the door, like mommy, 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 you know, and then that, it, that, that went to 30 minutes so that I could actually work out a little bit. And then eventually to an hour, which sounds overwhelming to wake up an hour early, but it just kind of step-by-step inched to that hour before anybody else needed me. And it was my time for me, you know. You are now the CEO of the very company that you were working for when this bombing occurred. Can you explain that transition and why you felt called to lead? So, um, so after the bombing, we were a small financial institution, much like you all were in 95. We were 75 million. And um, it's just a miracle, honestly, that we just didn't merge with another financial institution. Yeah. Somehow or another, we just said, you know what, we're going to do this. There's a handful of us that survived. We're going to make it. And it just was our mission to survive. Well, 
because of that and because like you just had to do what needed to be done. It wasn't like you stayed in your lane and, um, oh, I'm over branch operations. That's not my job. Somebody else does it. Like we just all did what needed to be done regardless of our titles. Like you just did it. Because of that, because I never had that mindset of, oh, that's not my job description or, oh, you don't pay me to do that. And I just did what needed to be done. The blessing in that was that I learned a lot. Like, oh, we don't have somebody to do consumer lending. Sure, I'll do it. That's scary, actually. But no, I was actually good at it. So, you know, I just kept taking on things and learning how to do them. And then before I realized it, like I had worked in almost every area that there was. Um, so I had the experience, but I didn't have the education. So then it was a matter of, okay, um, my boss said to me something about the next level of leadership is a layer down. And I was like, that just really hit me. And, and I think about that now, the next layer of leadership at our financial institutions is not at the top. It's actually a layer down. We're always should be preparing for that next that next level that's going to come behind us anyway. And so that's what she said to me was, you know, it's a, it's a layer down. And that was the first time anybody ever hinted to me that maybe I could be on the executive team or that maybe I had a future. And I knew, I thought I need to get that degree. I really need to also have education to back up all these experiences, you know, that I've had. So I went back to, to school and got my degree and got my master's and started working on the education side. And then it was like, well, I've got the education. I've got the experiences, but I loved my boss. And so I would have been so happy working for her till the day I retired, but she didn't want to work till she was a hundred. I don't know what was wrong with her. She <laughs> wanted to retire. So as soon as I knew she was going to retire, I thought, I know I can protect our culture because she, culture was very important to her, much like it is to your CEO, Chris. And I thought, I don't want to risk. I think we've all seen, you know, banks and credit unions where they hire somebody from the outside and sometimes they're amazing and they do a great job many times. But then you also don't know. And I knew that I may not be the best at math, but I knew that I could protect the culture. I knew that I could do that. And so I felt like now's the time. This is, this is, I'm needed for this season right now to just make sure that we continue on the culture that we have into the future. So. And you were, remind me again, how old you were whenever this occurred and you kind of began learning all of the different, you were one of those key pieces in keeping this financial institution alive. Well, I was 28 at the time of the bombing. And then I was 40. I think I was 40 when I went back to college. Um, That's when I finally was like, okay, I've got to, or I think I was already back in school when I was 40. And um 40, I feel like age 40 was actually when I really started getting traction over changing my life. So, you know, in a, in a, in a short uh, keynote, you know, I, 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 it sounds like, you know, I left the hospital and I changed my <laughs> life, but it, it took a long time. I knew that I wanted to live my life different and I focused on my job and there were things I did, you know, spiritually and, and for my health, but really I don't think I hit my stride until I was in my forties, quite honestly, I was a late bloomer. So in my forties, man, I was, you know, my, and my, my son was grown and could take care of himself a little bit more. So I had more, I had more me time. Right. So it was easier to like really focus on what I needed. And so um, that's when I went back and got my degree and got my master's and, you know, really started, intentionally focusing on my career more than I ever had before. 
And it was 50. I was age 50 when I was named seat, when I stepped into the CEO role. And I will be 56 next, actually this month. Where are we? We're in March. Yeah, I'm going to be 56. <laughs> wow. Well, or happy early birthday. Yeah. <laughs> that is so exciting. And it's really empowering too, just as a woman to see another female leading mm-hmm. an organization, especially coming after something like that and then pressing forward to fight the good fight, you know, not mm-hmm. only for yourself, but for your team. And I love that you harp on culture so much because you're right here at Farmers Bank and Trust. That is huge for us because without it, you're just like everyone else. And how are you going to treat your customers well if you're not treating your employees well? So Right. Exactly. And you probably heard, obviously, the heart celebration. Our core values spell out the word heart, honor, excellence, adaptability, respect, and teamwork. What are your main core values that you use to encourage your team? So this is funny because after um, I was there, I was like, I I came back. I was like, I feel really guilty because I have to look at my cup every time to remind myself of the names because they don't make a cool acronym. I mean, it's like, it's still the same. Your core values are the same as ours, but you use different names. And I think it's totally brilliant that you all picked the names that would actually spell an acronym that everybody could remember. So we have to sit there and go, wait a minute, inclusive, (laughs) integrity, servant leadership. Like you can have to stop and pause and think about them, you know, they're the same, but they don't flow out at all. And we have to stop and think about it. And so what we do is we try to, we have um, every month we have like a service award, you know, which I noticed y'all gave out your awards at at your um, awards banquet, which was awesome. We have a monthly staff meeting. And so we do a monthly kind of awards type little thing. And um, we put a lot of emphasis on service. And that's not just service to our members, clients, customers, it's to each other, service to each other as well, you know, as service to our members. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that a lot because if you don't work work well together, then it's going to show to mm-hmm. your customers. Well, in your back office um, employees, they do impact service. It, it's just it's fuzzier because it's, you know, if I log a help desk ticket and IT gets back with me really fast, they don't know how much that's impacting me helping that customer, you know, right. so um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So I know that we're kind of over talking about the pandemic. You know, when you hear the word COVID, it's like, oh, here we go again. Oh, but, <laughs> but it, it just won't go away. And we won't. have economic, <laughs> it, you know, it's so relatable crazy. to all of us. You know, we all experience it together. We all kind of had our own struggles and experiences yeah. with it. Can you and talk it changed about us. It yeah. changed us all. It did. Can you share a little bit about your experience yeah. and how you adapted? You bet. So March 13th um, is when I really realized, oh my gosh, this thing is happening and we've got to, we've, we've got to pivot. We got to figure out what to do. And, you know, I remember sitting in my office right here and just thinking, I'm, I'm going to send everybody home. I'm going to, I'm going to send them home. And I remember my IT guy was saying, Hey, I think laptops are going like, like he could see that like supplies were starting to become an issue. And I said, buy whatever you need, buy the laptops, buy them right now. And we're going to send everybody home. They can go home and we are going to figure out how to work remotely. And I had several years before I had started letting some of our call center work from home one day a week just for disaster recovery, because I knew from having lived through the bombing that 
you need to have backup plans in case there's a disaster. And of course, we're in tornado central here in Oklahoma. So it's like, you know, if a tornado hits, if our, our power's out, we need to be able to serve. And so we need to at least know how to have a few people that can work from home. And that was our call center. So my thought was, whatever we did for them, we just now replicate it. We do it across the entire organization. But I was very scared because I thought, what is my board going to think? And like, what are they going to think that I'm sending everybody home? Like, it was just one of those deals where you just it's you just have courage and you're not sure if you're making the right decision, but you have enough intel that you think you are and you just do it and you go. And so I that that was a huge thing. And we started we moved all of our traffic through the drive throughs so that that way, um, you know, we didn't have we could try to keep our tellers safe yes. and um, minimize the people in the office work from home. And it was messy and difficult. But we got through it and we kept saying, okay, if we have a magic wand, what what would we do? Well, we would we'd be DoorDash, right? We'd be DoorDash for do you have DoorDash down there? Anyway, <laughs> we would have DoorDash, right? We would just be the virtual um financial institution. But how do you do that? And so we rolled out video banking, we rolled out, you know, all we didn't have web chat yet for some reason. We rolled out web chat, rolled out, you know, extended call center hours. We just started rolling out everything we could roll out to help serve people without them having to come into a branch. It pushed you into that technology, but it's very much of how our world is mm-hmm. turning anyways. Yes. <laughs> and you mentioned this, and I want you to expound upon this a little bit because you shared this at the heart celebration as well. And I love it. You talked about having the magic wand and how mm-hmm. we all have the ability to change our future. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit um, what you mean by that. Yeah. So my boss, Came from her one time. She said, uh, she was talking to me about what needed to change in our organization. She said, you know, what would you change? What do you think I should change? Okay, she's the CEO. What do you think I should change? I'm like, you know, I said, it's like, do I look fat in this? You know, how do you answer it? And I hesitated and she goes, no, 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 no. Okay, you have a magic wand. Like, what would you do? And somehow that simple thing, you have a magic wand, made it safe for me to begin saying what I would do. And I started talking about culture. We have this great culture. Everything would be awesome. And she said, okay, given your current situation and your current limitations, I want you to write down the smallest things that you can start doing today to work toward that picture that you just described. And I walked away from our office thinking, okay, wow, what just happened? Am I in charge of culture now? (laughs) Like what happened? But I was excited because it was like, one, she cared what I thought, thought it was important enough to tell me, I want you to start doing something toward it. And given my current situation, my current limitations at the time, I was not in management and I didn't have a budget. So that really meant, you know, the tiniest steps that I could do to move forward. And that made such an impact on my life. I have used that over and over and over again. And I use it with our team and I just all the time. And um, of course, during COVID, okay, if I had a magic wand, how do we do this? What would we do? Well, we would be able to, you know, be the DoorDash credit union. Okay, well, how do you do that? Well, we need we need video banking. We need, you know, you just start backing into all the things you need. And, um, and then even in my personal life, um, you know, there's times where I'm like, okay, I, you know, I'm CEO. I did that Iron Man thing. I did, okay. What's next? Like, what, what do I do next? You know? And I've had to use it from that. Like, okay, well, let's go back to what if you had a magic wand? Like, and sometimes it's not about what you would do, like an achievement, but it's who are you becoming? Like, what kind of person do you want to, what kind of leader do you want to be? You know, what kind of leader do I want to be? I want to be a leader who cares about people and listens to people 
Okay, so what are the very smallest steps that I can take to become that leader? Okay, this is how small I start. Smallest step I can take is to take a few minutes before I come up to my office um, when I run go get mail or something and say hi to a few people, connect with them to show I care. To be a CEO who listens, okay, maybe try try not to interrupt. And instead I ask a question um, to get more clarity about something instead of interrupting. So little bitty things like that, that I will try to do, you know, to work toward the person I'm trying to become or, you know, whatever that thing is that I'm wanting to do. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And I think it goes back to earlier that you were talking about how you don't have to have had to experience something like this to make that choice or that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the little things that you said about your day. I know that I'm not in Magnolia where our CEO is, but I know that he does go down. We have um, Starbucks machines in mm-hmm. some select locations and we call it coffee with heart. <laughs> Imagine I that. Love, I heard that. That's so cool. Yeah. So, and he, they have a little seating area down there and several employees and um, Chris will go down and they'll just have coffee for the morning, just for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and chat about their day and kind of what it looks like in the week. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of slows things down a little bit because um, right. it's so easy to get into that hustle and bustle of mm-hmm. life. There's so many, you know, a checklist of things to get done. But if you ask, I just did this recently. I was asking our all of our supervisors and I said, you know, think about a leader who's made an impact in your life. Describe the attributes of that leader. No one talked about their education. Nobody talked about how smart they were. Hardworking even, none of that came up. What came up was they cared about me. They listened to me. They gave me a chance. They believed in me. Like it was all those kinds of things. Well, all of the busyness that we do every day usually doesn't yield that, right? It's the slowing down and the having the coffee and the conversation and caring about people. Again, it's just caring about people, having heart, you know? Yes, I love that. Do you feel like too, from your experiences, are you able to sort of relish in those sweet, simple moments of life a little bit more because of what you've experienced? I do think that I... um appreciate things maybe a little bit more than I would have if I had not been through what I've been through. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. There's such a big lesson there for all of us to learn from. You mentioned um, something really cool. You completed the Ironman, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And you use the experience to focus on your health, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. But you talked about kind of having this healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is part of our giving mission is just wellness. Mm-hmm. And I do ask all of our podcast guests this question. So I want to ask you as well. Our bank slogan is to us, your family. And so what is your favorite family meal? I kind of led in with the healthier lifestyle. You may say cheeseburgers. I don't know. <laughs> So can I say macaroni and cheese and fish sticks? Yeah. I say that because I was just telling my husband last night, I was like, you know what I really want? I just really want some really sleazy, like mac and cheese and fish sticks. You know, <laughs> I, first of all, I have to confess. Okay. I am from the South. I am from Louisiana and I'm a terrible cook. I'm awful. I'm, I, I really am not. a. I don't, I, I, I just don't know why I, I have ADHD. And so if I start following the thing, the, the thing, the recipe. Okay. And then I miss a step. 
like you're just you're like it's too late. It's not like a word document where you can go back and change something or an email. Like you're too late. You've already messed up. And so I'm terrible at it. So I don't have the wonderful, like I can reminisce back, you know, my mom made great fried chicken. Oh my gosh. You know, I miss the food in Louisiana. It's so good. Um, But yeah, here I'm just like, so I mentioned DoorDash earlier. Unfortunately, yes, I'm frequently, I do it. I can make a good salad. I, I can make a good salad, but I'm not very good at that. (laughs) <laughs> at all so I, I do still love good food though I will say or not good food I love um let me refer, let's not say good food I love junky food I will tell you I still struggle with that so um Chick-fil-a oh my gosh that's my downside I oh, want to go to Chick-fil-a, Chick-fil-A for lunch yes. yes sweet tea oh my gosh yes so I have to focus on making sure that I'm limiting how much I eat of that and working out and <laughs> all of those things. And also, as I've gotten older, um, health has taken on an, a new side that I never thought of before. <clears throat> and that is the um, the mental health, like yeah. stress. You know, when I was younger, I could deal, I could juggle with a million things. And now I find not as much. And I need to slow down. I need to take care of me. Here, if your cup's not full, you can't pour out. And that's right. so, so, so true, right. right? We're a better mom. We're better at everything we do when our cup is filled. It's just like why they say that when you're in the airplane and they give you the mask first to breathe before you give it to your child or whoever else, because you're no good if you can't save yourself and help yourself. You've got to take care of you first. That's good. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, this it was, it was an honor. Uh, I just love being encouraged by you. Oh, good. (laughs) As mentioned, Amy serves as the CEO for Allegiance Credit Union based out of Oklahoma City. She has received many awards and accolades for sharing her story of resilience across the country. She also has a book out, Hope is a Verb. I'll have the link to Amy's website on our blog, rightattheheart.com. Now go ask yourself, if you're not happy with where you're at today, what will you do to change your future? Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender.